Welcome to the Jordan Eckes Sermon Podcast. We hope it brings you great encouragement. Over the next few weeks, uh, we're encouraging everyone to read through 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and the book of Jude. And if you're still kind of catching up, continue to read through and, and finish up in the book of Genesis. Uh, so we're on a three-year journey through the Bible. My goal is to uh, preach through, or at least try to preach through, uh, each of the books. Um, this this month will be a little goofy because uh, I'm going to bring some guest speakers in, so I won't necessarily uh, preach all of them. Uh, Mason's sharing next week. Uh, Mr. Yarbrough, uh, Ricky, he's going to be preaching the 26th. I am going up to Rock Lake. Uh, Christian Assembly uh, over the course of February 24th through the 26th. I'll be speaking up there at camp uh, for a camp retreat up there. And so Ricky's filling in for me here. Uh, so it'll be a good good month for you. You get half of May, not all of May. Uh, so uh, it's good to hear from other folks, most certainly. Uh, so one question in your mind might pop up. Why did we jump from Genesis to 1 John? Is there a rhyme or reason to you, Jordan? Is there a method to your madness? Probably not. But, no, there, there is, and, and I'll, I'll share that with you. Uh, the main thing about reading the book of 1 John is, is that uh, there's really not necessarily anything new in it. When you read 1 John, there's not like, uh, it's not put together like Romans. Romans is really hammering out quite a few things. 1 John doesn't come up with any sort of big aha things like, oh, that, I didn't see that before. Uh, but this morning, I want to spend a little time kind of talking about what happened and why it was written uh, quickly so that we can maybe see some things for us that we need reminders in. Do any of you need reminders every once in a while? Uh, husbands, look to your wives and just you know see if there's any times that we might need reminders or encouragement uh, Wendy reminds me of things quite often uh, that I, you know, have only partially listened to. And so 1 John, in some respects, is written as a reminder for us of the truths that we know. I believe that John, the Gospel, and 1 John are written by the same person, as well as Second and Third, and the book of Revelation. I think it's all the same John. And so it's kind of like, why did he write this letter? In particular, why did he not necessarily add anything extra that you couldn't already get from his letter or from the other letters that are already circulating? And I think that what happened in the culture is, or in their context, is people left the church. People were leaving. They were hearing different things. They were hearing of maybe more exciting things going on. I have no idea why they left only that there were people that were persuading them too. It says in the kind of the heart of the book, he talks about the Antichrist, those that are saying something about Jesus that just aren't true, that he really wasn't God. And so they were perhaps being persuaded to go and live outside of Christ and live in a different community or a different way and follow a different person. When that happens in a community, when we have people leave our church family, when there are pe- people that from us, there is a sense of, well, am I on the right track? Am I believing the right thing? 
And so John tells us very clearly in his gospel, I'm writing this for you so that you will believe and have eternal life in Jesus. That you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he says in 1 John, he says, I'm writing this so that you will know. He wrote John's gospel that we would give our allegiance, that we would commit our lives to Christ and submit to him and his leadership as Lord and King and Savior. And He says, I'm writing this to assure you that what we know to be true about Jesus truly is true. And you can rest in knowing that Jesus is the Son of God and he is Christ and he's King. And you can keep pressing forward knowing that there's eternal life and love in Jesus Christ and you have life in him. This morning is one gigantic hug from John to you to say what you know about Jesus is true. and Don't give up. People are falling away and you're hearing all sorts of nonsense. Don't believe it. Jesus is king and cling to him. So let's cling to him this morning. Let's start with prayer. We'll dig into his word. God, we love you and thank you for the encouragement we have by your spirit this morning to cling to this knowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. He is your Son. He has rescued us. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He reigns today and he's coming, coming again soon. God, may these truths that we know in our mind and our heart be ever true. May we cling tightly to you this morning, knowing that we are not abandoned, but that you are here with your spirit, caring for us right now, and that we have life in Jesus' name. May we cling to you and hold to the truth and be reminded this morning of your goodness, of your mercy, of your grace, of your spirit, and the life we have in Jesus our King. In his name that we pray. Amen. At the end of John's gospel, or at the end of John's letter, he says something that doesn't seem to fit the rest of the letter. And it has perplexed me for a long time. Why does he bring up idols at the very end? If you look at the end, he says, he says to uh, everyone, after everything he goes through and all the reminders and all these things about Jesus, there's not a single mention of idols until the very end. It says, we'll, we'll kind of jump up a little bit, and he says, and we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And then he closes it with, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. I've scratched my head on this one for a while, and I really want a good answer on it. And here's what I've come up with. Uh, not I. Here's what God laid on my heart this week. And I am just thrilled to share it with you. I read for you from Psalm 115 earlier this morning, and I want to visit a portion of that again. Now, Psalm 115 is talking about all the idols and how we fashion the idols, and they have, they have ears, but they can't hear. They have mouths, but they can't speak. And they have all these sorts of things. They, Psalm 115, they have mouths, but cannot speak. Eyes but cannot see, they have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell, they have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so with so will all who trust in them. And then it goes on to say this encouragement to them, which is, okay, Israelites trust in the Lord. 
trust in the Lord. I think that's what John is saying at the very end of, this, of his letter, is saying, children, trust in the Lord. Do not trust in idols. All right, we got that. Put that in place. All right, now let's go even further back. Here's the reason why I had you read Genesis and then read 1 John. How does the book of Genesis start? Everyone with me now. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right, that's very good. You all are reading your Bibles and committing to memory. That's, you know, it trails off after that, right? You know, but at least we got that one. Right, in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. That was written so that the polytheism of the culture of that time would know that there's one true God and he's the creator of everything. And Israel, throughout their journey, has been wrestling with, will we be faithful to the one true God? Will we give our total allegiance to him? Or will we worship these other gods? And by these other gods, they often took the form of idols. And so it's this constant tension throughout the Bible. Will you trust in the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, or will you worship the created thing? And Isaiah and Jeremiah and prophets, they would call them out and they would sound a lot like Psalm 115 that would say, okay, why are we giving our trust and our worship to these things that have ears but cannot hear? They have mouths but, mouths, but they cannot speak. There's that exciting moment on Mount Carmel where Elijah is doing, you know, he's going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the prophets of Baal, and, you know, he starts mocking the prophets, and, he, you know, they're trying to catch the altar on fire, and, and Elijah starts mocking him and saying, he must be taking a nap, or he might be going to the bathroom. Ha, ha, ha. It's in the text there. I'm not making that up, right? And so there's, they're mocking him because... Here is an idol. They have ears, can't hear. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. And then, you know, boom, you know, Elijah prays and the altar catches on fire. And it's this incredible thing. And the prophets of Baal, you know, they're like, boo-hoo. And Elijah then, he goes and says, I'm the only prophet left. And he cries in the corner, and God gives him food and a nap, right? That's a quick retelling of Elijah's story, but... Uh, you know, when you do great things for God, you eat food and take a nap. That's the lesson for today. Serve God, eat food, take naps. You're looking for a quick takeaway from today's lesson. All right. So this encouragement, I want you to track with me for a moment. I want you to track with me what is going on in the life of Israel and the constant struggle that we all face of, will we be a people who trust in the Lord? Will you be a person who trusts in God? It was a long, storied struggle between Israel and God and their, their relationship, and this constant battle, will we trust in the Lord? Will we seek Him with all of our heart? Or will we trust in these created things? And so Genesis starts with, in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, and it becomes this long, this long informative story that tells us that there is one true God. Then when John start, sets out to write his gospel, what does he say in, God, in John's gospel? He says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and through him all things are made. Without him nothing was made. And in him was the light of life that is a life for all of us. 
this light is Jesus Christ. And he says in John 1.14 that the Word became flesh. That this Word is Jesus Christ. This is God's Son in the flesh. This is God Himself incarnate. And suddenly we start thinking, when you read John's Gospel, you should think of Genesis 1, and you should say that the Creator of the heavens and the earth is now with us in Jesus Christ. The creator of heaven and earth is Jesus Christ. In him, all things have been made. If you want to get on my bad side, diminish Jesus and what he's done. If you want to form your cults, start diminishing Jesus. That's what they do. Lift up Christ and and look to what the Bible says about him. What does Colossians say of Jesus? What does... What does all of the New Testament say of Christ? But that he is a part of creation. Through him, all things have been made. That this is, you know, that Jesus was with God in the very beginning. And so John, I think, is doing battle with those who would wage against Jesus Christ and his true identity as the Son of God. So this is all a setup thing for you. I want you to hear all of this. Genesis, in the beginning, God creates heaven and the earth. John says, this Jesus was a part of all of that. Through him, all things are made. He's the Son of God. And then I want you to read with me and follow along in 1 John. Throwing things here. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands and have touched, This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was the Father and has appeared to us. We we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to you so your joy may be complete. I think Psalm... 115 is telling us something about 1 John 1. I think John's Gospel is telling us something about John, uh, 1 John 1, and I think Genesis is. And here it is. In Jesus, we have one whom people have seen and have touched and experienced. And he is, he is not just, he's not an idol that has ears and can't hear, but in fact, He has ears and he has heard our cries. He has hands and he has reached out and touched us. He has legs and he's walked among us. This God who created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it was there among us and with us, and I want to tell you all about him. And I want you to do this, and I want you to know this, and my joy would be complete if you would hear me today that Jesus lived and Jesus died and Jesus reigns And he lives today as King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's rescued you from sins and he's laid his life down for you that you may have life. And he says, and he'll teach us, and we'll just keep going now because it gets a lot more fun. This is the message we have heard from him and we declare it to you and it connects to Genesis and it connects to John. He says, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, 
we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The one who created the light, separated it from darkness, is looking to you today and saying, you can live in the light as well. There is truth and there is grace and there is love and there is mercy for you that living in the darkness, you, mu- you can live in the darkness no longer. He is still separating the darkness from the light and he's calling you to have truth and life and hope and mercy in him today. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust in him? I already told you that this morning was going to be just a bunch of reminders. But we need these reminders. We live in a broken world filled with sin and suffering, and we ourselves experience things in our life where we feel like maybe we're, maybe we're not doing all that we should. And John will start talking about that. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we claim to be in, if we claim to be without sin, I read a book uh, this week, a uh, good chunk of it, anyways. It was an old book from 1972 by Carl Menninger, and I had to uh, do a little investigative. I heard about the book, I couldn't find it, and the Internet Archive came to the rescue. Uh, and it, and uh, in the book. It's all about, the title of it is, What Happened to Sin? And he was writing in sort of an indictment on culture that has sort of diminished sin, that it has sort of uh, whitewashed the, you know, the wrongdoings of the world that says there's really just people who make bad choices and make mistakes and there's no real sin anymore. Um, now, actually, that was 1972, now I think what is sinful in our culture is actually to say something is sinful. Whoa, whoa, you would, you would say somebody did something wrong? Oh, man, you're a sinner, right? And so sin has become, we can't even talk about people doing wrongdoing because then that in itself would become sin. So we find ourselves in a sort of trap. We believe to, there to be evil and good. We believe there to be darkness and light. We believe there to be sin in this world, and we believe that there is one who has come to rescue us from that. We believe that we have participated in sin through anger, through lying, through cheating, through sexual immorality. We have, all of us, collectively been a part of that. John was dealing with these sorts of issues just as he's dealing with them, or just as we deal with them, He says, don't deceive yourselves. If you think that you are without sin, then you have deceived yourself and you're trying to deceive others. We live in a culture that says, don't say anything wrong about anybody. And that, and you know, and so just even saying, hey, y'all are sinners this morning, you're probably like, whoa, Jordan, whoa, whoa, I'm a good person. I do good things. You also do bad things, right? Let's, let's not deceive ourselves and let's be truthful about ourselves and our character and that we've all fallen short of God's glory. And here's John's point. Here's John's point. Let's stop deceiving ourselves and let's be honest about ourselves. We've all been complicit. 
we've all participated, we've all been angry, we've all said hateful things, we've all have said things that we wish we could just sort of bring them back in, right? And that was just this morning, right? With your kids on your way, on your way into church, right? And so as we examine our lives and we look at and we're painfully aware of our own brokenness, may we look to the text and see that there is provision for who we are and what we've done. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But in verse 9 it says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. But friends, if we are honest with ourselves and if we are honest before God and we confess our sins before him, he is faithful and just and he forgives us. It does, not, it does you no harm to admit to God that you are a sinner. John's writing that our joy would be complete, that we would leave a life of darkness and we've come into the light and have hope and mercy and love in Jesus Christ today. And you never get there if you keep deceiving yourself. And you are not aware of your desperate need for Jesus. It's the story and in the Gospels of a woman who is pouring out her tears and washing Jesus' feet. Man, why would you let anybody like that touch your feet, Jesus? And he says, those who have been forgiven much love much. Would we hear that lesson today and that encouragement today in our own lives that those who are aware of what Jesus has done for them live to glorify him and praise him every day. Let's not deceive ourselves. Let us be aware that we have sinned. We've gone against God. We've missed the mark. We've said things we never should have said. We've done things we never should have done. We have hurt others. We have sinned against God. Let's not wash sin away as though it's never happened. But let's be aware of it so that we take it to God who is faithful and just and he purifies you from all your sins. He purifies you from your sins. I told you today that I wouldn't tell you anything you didn't already know, but maybe you need the reminder this morning. You're forgiven. Would you tell your neighbor that they're forgiven in Jesus Christ? Say it like you mean it. Like you know it to be true. That though you have sinned, God's forgiveness is for you. He is reconciling you back to Him. We need that reminder, don't we? Because there's times where it feels like, man, I've done it too many times now and I'm, I'm out. I'm too broken for God to use me. I'm too sinful to be a part of this. And John's saying this is just the opposite. You are aware of your brokenness. Now take it to the one who heals you and forgives you. Don't let it disqualify you. Let it take you to your knees before God and be forgiven and confess it to him. And he is faithful and just. He is faithful and just. He is faithful and he is just. And he purifies you. Jesus Christ, from all of your sins.
be honest with ourselves and be honest before our God, and He's ready to forgive. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His words not in us. If we say we haven't sinned, then why did Jesus die? Why did He do what He did? And He says to us, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Like, don't use this, like, don't run away with a license today. Jordan told me he's faithful and just. I'm going to go kill my neighbor. Right? I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with our Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Friends, today you have a helper in heaven who is an advocate for you. And you have a helper here on earth who is an advocate for you. You have a helper in Christ in heaven, and you have the helper of the Spirit today living in you to lead a life of love and mercy and kindness and forgiveness and grace in this world. You are forgiven in Christ and you have help in heaven, and you have help today here on earth, that you do not live your lives apart from God, but you have grace, mercy, and love in Him. John writes all of this. and He gets into love, and he gets into all, he unpacks all of this, and he keeps going, and he ends with, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. What's the connection and what is all of it there for? I think it's so that we would know that we have one who lived among us. That all of us have wrestled with and all of us have found meaning and worth in worshiping things outside of Jesus Christ. And it's this reminder for us today. Jesus has ears and he hears your that Jesus has hands and he's reached out to heal. Jesus has feet and he walked among us. Jesus has arms that he wrapped around those who are sinful and broken. That today the one who is helping us in heaven is also alive in us today. So we keep ourselves from idols, we keep ourselves from all of these things that have threatened the lives of the Israelites and their relationship with God and there are still all of those tensions today. Who will you trust? Who will you turn to? Who will you find life in? John is saying, friends, come out of the darkness. You have nothing to hide. The sin that you feel so much shame over today can be forgiven in Jesus Christ. And the brokenness from a broken world that you have felt over and over again, today there is forgiveness for you. There is one who understands. The trust in the one who was with God in the beginning. In him all things were made. In him is light and life for all people. The forgiveness of the world. Today would you trust God, thank you.
uh, for this morning. Thank you for your grace and your love and your kindness. And may we turn from idols. May we reject a world that has made idols all the more fashionable and all the more all the more glaring that draw our attention and our worship. God, we've made idols of money, sexuality, of possessions, devices. We've made idols of stars. We've made idols of money. But none of them compare to you. None of them compare to your grace and your mercy and your love. None of them compare to your faithfulness. None of them compare to your power. None of them compare to your justice and your goodness and your faithfulness. None come close to comparing to you. And so today, Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you for Jesus, who was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things have been made. Through his sacrifice, he's offered forgiveness for us and the entire world. May we rest in these truths. May we trust in you and worship you. Remind us and impress upon us your words from John for all of us today, dear children. Keep ourselves from idols. May we trust in you, Jesus our King. In his name we pray. Amen. Please stand and respond. Thank you for listening to the Jordan Eckes Sermon Podcast. We hope it brought you great encouragement. Until next time, God be with you.